thoughtful and beautiful and and uh, praise God. We're, we're just thankful for what the Lord is doing in our lives and in our in our families and our churches. And we're glad for you to be here today at Abundant Life Family Church. Good to have uh, Barb and Gary back. They've been on a little uh, a little evangelistic, doing a little evangelistic work, missionary work. Been to New York and around doing some ministering, and we're glad to have them back with us today. Amen. Praise God. They're not doing the work of the Lord. It's good to, good to see them. We're just glad to see everybody here today, and uh, we welcome you to Abundant Life Family Church. We will be having church tonight at 6 o'clock, so we encourage you to come back tonight, be a part of our Sunday night church service, and uh, we are still ones that one of the few that have Sunday night church, and I enjoy Sunday night church and the and the the this the worship and everything that we can when we come together on Sunday evenings and the fellowship that we have. So we encourage you to come back, Amen. On Sunday night, somebody says, "Well, why do you have so many church services?" Well, we're just trying to obey the Bible, you know. And uh, the Apostle Paul, the writer of Hebrews, said that uh, not to forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is but he said so much more as you see the day approaching you know what that's day approaching that he's talking about as you see the day of the coming of the Lord approaching he said you're going to need to listen now, I didn't say this and I didn't write this but but the apostle did he said as you see the day of the coming of the Lord drawing nearer you're going to need times together as a church with one another worshiping together more times together as it gets nearer to the coming of the Lord. We are living in dark days. I mean, I'm not going to focus on that, but we are living in dark days. And the Bible said that in the last days we'd have what? perilous times would come and we're in those days we're in that time today but you know what I do believe and I want to talk about that a little bit today I do believe that even in this dark uh, this dark hour which we live in these dark days which we live that God still has a church Jesus still has a church and he still will have a church that is a church that is that is filled with the power, the Spirit and the power of the Holy Ghost. Are you with me today? Amen. And more so today than ever before, we need to be that Holy Ghost-filled church. There is, and this is what I want to talk about this morning is this, there is a difference. Now, I want you to say that with me. There is a difference. There is a difference in a church that is full of the Holy Spirit and a church that is not full of the Holy Spirit. How many will agree with that? All churches are not the same, right? Well, I've heard people say, well, it doesn't matter what church you go to. And there used to be, there used to be a commercial on television. There used to be billboards that said, go, uh, on Sunday, attend the church of your choice. And I always loved what Brother Shambach used to say. Don't do that because your choice may not be God's choice. Amen. You need to attend the church of his choice. And there is a difference. And I know people say, well, it doesn't matter where you go to church. It doesn't matter just as long as you go. But I, I don't believe that that's so. I believe that we need to be a part of a church, number one, that preaches the word of God, that preaches the true gospel of Jesus Christ. How many would agree with that? And thank God, not all churches do that. And uh, but 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 we need to be a part of a church that preaches the full gospel of Jesus Christ. And we need to be a church that lifts up the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to be a part of a church that that is filled with the Holy Ghost and a church that believes in the fullness of the Spirit and the power and the anointing of the Holy Ghost. We are a full gospel church. Come on, amen. 
Praise God. Yeah, go ahead and give the Lord a praise. We are a full gospel church. Somebody said, well, what, what, what are you? What kind of church are you? And, of course, uh, and my wife met with, with a lady here a couple of weeks ago that was asking about what church, what we were affiliated, what our denomination, and, and Vicki said, well, we're Pentecostal. And a lot of times when you use that word Pentecostal, it gives people a, a, a they get a wrong idea about what Pentecostals are. And Pentecostalism is not a denomination, but Pentecost is an experience that we have of being filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized in the Holy Spirit. And she told her we were, we were Pentecostal, and the lady told her, said, well, that's, we're looking for a good Pentecostal church. And they haven't come yet, but I'm believing that they will, amen? But, um, but, but we're Pentecostal, we're full gospel, and I like that term as well because that means we believe that everything that's in that Bible, everything that was, that was taught in the New Testament, that it is for the church today. Everything that we read, listen to me, saints, everything that was in that book of Acts and in that early church is for the church in the 21st century today. And I mean everything. There is nothing that has ceased. God has not stopped moving. The Holy Spirit has not stopped operating and working and moving in the church today. Can I get an amen? Well, praise the Lord. I better preach. I'm just going to get, get, you know, get sidetracked here. But, uh, but we believe it, there is a difference in Pentecostal. I'm not saying, please don't leave here and say that, that, that Pastor Rick feels like that he's better or this church is better than other churches. I'm not saying that. I do believe, though, that there is a difference in Pentecostal Holy Spirit-filled churches than those who do not. Let me put it this way. Those who believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues and, and allow the operation of the Holy Spirit in their, in their congregations and in their churches, there's a difference in those churches and those who do not teach that and allow that. Praise God. All right. Go to Acts 19. I think I've said everything I need to say. All right. Acts chapter 19 and verse, these are familiar verses of Scripture. But uh, I want to talk about that today. There is a difference. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you today for this opportunity that we have to break the bread of life and to share the Word of God with your people. I'm asking you for your help and your anointing this morning as, uh, as I minister your Word today. I pray that you will open up our hearts and open up our understanding and open up our ears to hear and to receive what the Spirit of the Lord would say to your church today, and we thank you for what you're going to do in this service in Jesus' name, and everybody said amen and amen. All right, Acts chapter 19, and we're going to begin with verse number 1, and it says this, and it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus, and finding certain disciples, he said to them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said to him, Well, we've not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said to them, And to what then were you baptized? And they said, Unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul, look at verse 6, and when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Paul here comes to the city of Ephesus. He was making his rounds. He was on his journeys. He had been to visit several other churches in different areas that he had planted. And on his, while making his rounds, he comes to the city of Ephesus and he finds here at Ephesus a small group of believers. Now I want you to notice this, that in this passage of scripture in Acts chapter 19, this group here, it says that there were about 12 men, verse 7 says, so men with their wives and some kids or or, or um, you know, that were there. Uh, I don't know, maybe they had 20 to 30 people there. It was a small congregation that was, that was assembled there in Ephesus. But I want you to know that they were a group of believers. Now get that. The Bible is very plain to call them that said that they were, they were disciples. It said that Paul found here certain disciples. And somebody would say, and I've, I've, I've heard different ones say, well, these were disciples of John. They had only been baptized by John. They had not accepted the Lord Jesus Christ yet. But they had accepted Jesus. This was a Christian assembly. This was a group of believers. Every time in the book of Acts that this word disciple is used, it means believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. And they had, these people had accepted Christ as their Savior and, and and had been born again, but they had not yet come into the fullness of the Holy Spirit. There's so many that are like that today. Are you with me? They know Jesus as Lord. They are disciples of Christ. They are followers of Jesus. They have been washed in the blood. They have been saved. They've been born again, but they have not. That's as far as they go. They have not went on to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, we believe here as, as, as a full gospel church, as a Pentecostal church, we believe that there is a, a, a second experience, a, a second work of grace, if you will, that is subsequent to the uh, act of being born again or being saved, and that is the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, you know, to be to be ready for heaven, to be ready to go to heaven, uh, you just need to be born again. Isn't that right? You need to be washed in the blood of Jesus. There are those that preach and teach that you must be baptized in the Holy Ghost. You must speak in tongues to be saved and to be born again. We don't believe the Bible teaches that. There is There are two separate, distinct experiences with the Lord. Salvation is the greatest gift that... That Christ that God has given to the world, but the baptism in the Holy Spirit is the greatest gift that Christ has given to the church. So after you are saved, after you are born again, after you have had your name written in the Lamb's book of life, you don't have everything yet that the Lord has provided for you in the gospel and through his finished work on the cross. Amen. There's also an experience called the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And let me tell you, every born-again, blood-washed believer needs to be baptized and filled to overflowing with the precious Holy Spirit. You need that experience in your life. And so Paul comes into this group of believers, this group of disciples, those who had not yet received the fullness of the Spirit, and he senses something. You know, he's there, and I'm sure they asked Paul to minister to them that day. And so Paul gets up to minister and to preach, and they had probably maybe sang a few hymns and sang some of the psalms, but Paul just senses something. He senses a need here in this church. They seem a little bit dry. Maybe there's not the joy or the life of God that, that is there that needs to be there. There's something 
Paul senses that there is something that is missing. Amen. And he asks them a probing question. And he says, have you received the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit since you believed? The New King James, or the King James says, since you believed. I believe the uh, New King James said, have you received the Holy Spirit when you believed? But the, the point is this. Now that you have become believers, he's saying now that you've claimed to be believers, you've received Christ, have you received the Holy Spirit? Proving a fact here, ladies and gentlemen, that there is a different subsequent experience um, that that is different than the salvation experience because these believers were saved, but they had not yet received the baptism with the Holy Spirit. So they claimed to be believers, so the baptism of the Holy Spirit should have been their next step. This is what Paul was saying to them. There seems to be something missing in this congregation. There seems to be something missing in this worship service. I mean, these people are saved. They're disciples of the Lord. They're following Jesus. But there's something here that, 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 that needs, that's lacking. And what was lacking in that he asked them, have you all received the Holy Ghost? There seems to be something else that you need. Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? And what was their reply? What was their answer? They said, well, we don't, we don't, we don't know anything about that. We haven't heard that there's, that there's any such thing. Now, they weren't saying that they haven't ever heard of the Holy Spirit or that they didn't know who the Holy Spirit was. But as far as this experience of receiving the baptism in the Holy Spirit, they said, we have not heard. We haven't heard of this. Uh, we, we, haven't, we haven't so much, verse 2 says, we have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. Do you know? See, nobody had preached it to them. Nobody had told them about it. They had heard about Jesus. They had accepted Christ as their Lord. They had repented of their sins because they were familiar with John's baptism. And they had repented. Now they have accepted the Lord. But nobody had told them about the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Do you know there are many, many, many people in this same category today. And I'm not just talking about in in denominational churches. I'm talking about also in Pentecostal, so-called Pentecostal churches and Pentecostal denominations. And and I include the Assemblies of God, the Church of God, the the, the movement, the, the, the fellowship that we're with, the Pentecostal Church of God, the Four Square, the Pentecostal Holiness, those different Pentecostal denominations. There are many churches in those organizations and those movements where preachers are not any longer as they one time did not preaching the baptism the experience of the baptism and the Holy Ghost with the evidence the physical initial physical evidence of speaking in other tongues there are many setting in Pentecostal churches today that know nothing about being filled with the Holy Ghost they know nothing about the moving and the operation of the Holy Spirit They know nothing about the gifts of the Spirit that are listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And many are taught that those things are not for us today, that they have ceased, that they passed away from the apostles. But I want you to know something today. Like it or lump it, amen, if you come to this church, if you're a part of Abundant Life Family Church, you are going to hear about and you will know about the experience of the baptism in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. We believe in that here today. It has not passed away. And my question today to every one of us in this service is the same question that Paul asked to those Ephesian believers. Have you received of the Holy Ghost since you believed and since you have been born again? And that is the question we're faced with that we must answer today, every one of us. And if you have not been, you need to be. And if you have been, but you've become a little cold and lukewarm and indifferent in your walk with the Lord, and it's been a while since you have fellowshiped with the Lord in tongues or worshiped the Lord in your heavenly language, then you know what? 
I ask you the question, do you need a refilling? Do you need a fresh filling and a fresh touch and a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit? Because there is a difference, ladies and gentlemen, in a Christians, believers that are full of the Holy Ghost and believers that do not have the baptism in the Holy Ghost. One's not even better than the other. Salvation makes you ready for heaven. Amen? But I'm going to tell you, there's a difference in our life, in the power, in the victory, in the service that we can do for the Lord if we do have the baptism in the Holy Spirit. There is a difference. Somebody needs to say amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. So Paul is, is letting them know, okay, you're saved. You're now spiritually ready, spiritually ready to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So the emphasis, listen to me, the emphasis of this text in Acts chapter 19 is the absolute necessity of believers that are saved, that know Christ, the absolute necessity of that believer being saved baptized with the Holy Spirit. Woo, I feel good today. I feel, I feel Pentecostal this morning. Amen? So that's the emphasis of this, of this, of this text. Paul's emphasizing to them the necessity of the Holy Spirit baptism. They said, we're, we're not aware they haven't heard. We're not aware that believers could, have ex- could experience something like this. And they're like many today. And the problem that so many, that so many face today is not only the fact that, that a lot of preachers and a lot of churches are not preaching or teaching on the Holy Spirit baptism, but you have so many. And boy, I tell you, you know, in this time of YouTube and Internet and all of that, you have so many today that are not only not preaching for it, but are preaching against it. They are teaching against it. There are those, you know, that have, that, have, that have gone as far. And this is a very, very dangerous situation because there are those in ministry that have gone as far as to say that those who practice speaking in tongues, those who uh, operate in this and speak in tongues, that it's paganism, that it's demonic, that it's, demon, that it's not of God, but it's of the devil. Let me tell you something today. If you hear somebody, if you're listening to a preacher that teaches that, you better turn him off. You better get him off of your agenda, off of your news feed or, or Facebook page or whatever because that is a very dangerous statement to make. To, to Jesus even told the Pharisees when they, when they accused him of casting out devils by the prince of devils, that he was casting out Satan by the power of Satan, he told them, you are borderlining on blaspheming blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And when somebody knows, listen to me, when somebody knows and, 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 and deliberately uh, 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 deliberately likens the moving of the Holy Spirit or the works of the Holy Spirit to Satan, that is a dangerous place to be in. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And there are those today that are preaching that it's not of God, that it's satanic. Well, I'm going to tell you what. In my years growing up and before I got saved, I was around a lot of drunks. I was around people that did drugs. I was in and out of taverns and beer joints and honky-tonks and other places where people were full of the devil. And not one single time did I ever hear anybody speaking in tongues. Huh? You'd think that if it was of the devil, I'd have had it before I got saved. (laughs) Praise God. 
Amen. So that, that argument doesn't even hold water. It doesn't make any sense. Anybody to say that speaking in tongues is of the devil is saying that what happened on the day of Pentecost was of the devil. What happened here in Acts 19 was of the devil. That's what they are saying. If they say speaking in tongues is of the devil. Every place in that book of Acts where people were baptized with the Holy Ghost and received the Holy Ghost, they did speak in tongues as the Spirit of God gave them the utterance that was the initial physical evidence of them receiving the baptism in the Holy Ghost. Amen? Happened in Acts 2, Acts 9, Acts 8, Acts 9, Acts uh, 10, and Acts 19. In all of those places, they spoke with other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. So they were ignorant. They had not heard. And so here in a few minutes, it became obvious to Paul. I haven't even got into my message yet. We'll, we, we may, this may be a series. Who knows? It was obvious within a short period of time. Paul hadn't been in this congregation long. And it became obvious to him that even though they were saved, there was something lacking. There was something missing. They had not received the Holy Spirit baptism. And so what did Paul do? He wasted no time. He wasted no time. He let them know about the Holy Spirit. They, they were baptized uh, under the authority of Christ in Christian baptism. They had been born again but not yet baptized. And they were baptized, the Bible said, in the name or by the authority of the Lord Jesus and uh, submitted to Christian baptism, letting everyone know. And everybody that's born again, you need to be baptized in water. Boy, it's really quiet. I guess y'all listening today. But, but, but... You need that water baptism. It doesn't save you. You're saved first, but you need that, um, that water baptism to, to, as a testimony to the world and to everybody that knows you, to everybody. I'm done with the world. I'm done with sin. I've died to sin. I've been buried with Christ, and I've been raised up with Him again to walk in newness of life. Are you hearing me today? Praise God. So they were baptized in the name of the Lord, and then Paul laid his hands on them. He's wasting no time. He lays his hands on them, and the Bible said that when he did, that the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Born again, believers, disciples, following the Lord. But when Paul laid hands on them, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. So now this little group of believers, this little, um, this little church here that was a non-Pentecostal church, all of a sudden, after Paul's there and ministers to them and prays for them, a non-Pentecostal church becomes a Pentecostal church. Can I get an amen? Oh, hallelujah. We got a lot of Pentecostal churches that needs a fresh touch of Pentecost. We need a lot. We got a lot of them today that needs a, a fresh filling, a fresh baptism, a fresh anointing, a fresh power of the Holy Ghost in our church and in our lives. Oh, come on. As long as I have breath in these lungs, abundant life, as long as God allows me to be here and be the pastor of this church. Whether people like it, accept it, believe it or not, we're going to preach the full gospel and we're going to preach the fullness of the baptism in the Holy Ghost and let you know that you need the Holy Ghost. You need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. There is a difference. Come on, amen. There is a difference. The Holy Ghost makes a difference in our life. Woo! I know we got, we got folks in this church. Sister Patty, she was part of another 
church that didn't teach the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But, oh, she found out about the Holy Ghost. And God filled her with the Holy Ghost. Sister Beth was a part of a church that didn't believe in or teach the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But she heard about, oh, I'm about to shout. She heard about that there was something else. And she got baptized with the Holy Ghost, with the evidence speaking other tongues. Mark and Denise were a part of a church when, when they first, you know, in their earlier years, part of a church that didn't believe or teach in the baptism of the Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues. But they heard about the fullness of God and they both got filled with the Holy Ghost. And there's many sitting here in this service this morning that at one time you didn't know, you hadn't heard, but today you've heard. What are you going to do? Hallelujah. Let's get filled with the Holy Spirit. There is a difference in being filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen? A big difference. A big difference. So Paul lays hands on them. They're filled with the Holy Ghost. They're speaking in other tongues and this non-Pentecostal church becomes a Pentecostal church and revival comes to Ephesus. I mean, here is a wicked city, a very evil city, an idolatrous city that needs evangelizing. The people need Jesus in this city of Ephesus. And it was as wicked or more so than what America is today. Corinth was another one. As wicked or more wicked than America even is today. Pretty close though. (laughs) Amen. But the thing was, they made an impact. And Paul knew that if they're going to impact Ephesus, if they're going to impact that community, if they're going to win people to the Lord, they must have the power of the Holy Spirit. And you and I as well. If we're going to impact our community, the world around about us, if we're going to be effective as a church, we must also have the power of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Ghost makes a difference. Amen. I'm just a few more minutes and I'm going to close because I, like I say, that was my introduction. (laughs) Praise God. Listen, when I get to talking about the Holy Spirit, I I have a hard time hushing up. I love to talk about the power of the Holy Spirit. But what difference does it make? What does it matter? Some people have the idea, well, I can take it or I can leave it. It's up to me. Well, I don't want that. I just don't want it. I see it. I see it in the Scripture. I don't want nothing to do with it. Well, it's see, here's the deal. It's not optional. Amen. It is. It's an endowment with power from on high. Now, if I would ask everyone here today, uh, do you believe, how many of y'all believe you need more of God's power, I would hope that everyone's hand would go up and say, oh, I do, Brother Rick, I need more of his power. I sense my need of that every single day of my life, that I need more of the power of God in my life. And so the baptism of the Holy Ghost is an endowment of power. Amen. Jesus said that. He told them to go and tarry at Jerusalem until they were endued or clothed upon with power from on high. Amen. In Acts 1 and 8, he told those disciples, you shall receive what? Power, huh? Come on, help me preach. You shall receive power after what? When? After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and be witnesses unto me. If there ever was a day that the church needs to be a brighter light and a better witness in this dark age we live, it's today. And we're not going to be able to do that, ladies and gentlemen, without the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We need that power. So as yourself the question, could I use more power? Do I need more power? 
more with God? Do I need more of the strength of God? Ask yourself this question. Do I need something in my life from God that will enhance my walk with the Lord and, and, and bring me closer to the Lord Jesus Christ? How I many would say, yeah, I want that. Amen? Well, that's why he's given us the Holy Ghost baptism. Is to help us in our walk with God and to in, in, empower us and strengthen us and to help us to be better Christians and have power for service to the Lord. That's what it's all about. So what difference does it make? Well, let me tell you, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, with that initial physical evidence of speaking in other tongues, makes a tremendous difference in your prayer life. Oh boy. How many need help with prayer? Anybody? Huh? Everybody that prays, if you don't pray, you need to. If you don't have a prayer life, you need to get one. But how many, you need help in your prayer life. And the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit is a tremendous help and asset and makes a vast difference in our prayer life. And the Bible teaches that. And you hear people, and I'm going to touch on this, and we're going to have a time of prayer here in a minute, but I, I want to touch on this because you hear people make the statement, what good, what's the use of speaking in tongues. What good is it? I, nobody understands me. I don't understand what I'm saying. Some, some have said, oh, it's just, it's just gibberish. It's just babble. Don't, 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 don't say that about, about the gift of speaking in tongues. Amen? Because it's not gibberish and it's not babble. And it's not some kind of baby talk. It's a language from God. It's a language from heaven. Are you listening to me? Speaking in tongues as the Spirit gives utterance is a language from heaven inspired and given by the Holy Ghost. It is not, again, let me reiterate and emphasize, it's not of the devil. It's of God. So what good is it? What use is it? What's the point in it, Brother Rick? I mean, we know that, that it is, speaking in tongues is the initial evidence that one has been baptized in the Holy Spirit, but it also, that, is, that, that language, that language that God gives you when He baptizes you in the Holy Spirit is a prayer, your own personal prayer language to use in prayer and in worship to God. It enhances your prayer life and enhances your worship of the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you with me? Amen. It's that marvelous mystery of praying in the Spirit, praying in the Holy Ghost. Look with me at 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. <clears throat> the Apostle Paul, and listen, what you need to do is um, read this whole chapter. Chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians, because this whole chapter, listen, let me, let me just throw this in. If tongues, if speaking in tongues was not important... And some even say that Paul had a very dim view of speaking in tongues. No, he did not. What did Paul say? He said to the Corinthians, I thank my God I speak in tongues more than all of you. He didn't have a dim view of it. He even said to that church, he said, covet to prophesy and do not forbid to speak with tongues. Don't forget, forbid people of being filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking with tongues. So he's not taking a dim view of tongues. But, but here's the thing. If it's unimportant, why? I don't know of any other 
any other subject in the Bible that the New Testament gives a whole chapter to. And the New Testament here, Paul gives to the Corinthian church a full chapter on speaking in tongues. That's what this whole chapter is about. It's on speaking in tongues. It's about the benefits of tongues. It's on the proper use of tongues. It tells the difference between the prayer language of tongues and the gift of tongues that to give messages in public worship. So it's all about tongues. So, amen. Now, read the 14th chapter of 1 Corinthians if you want to know about tongues. But here's the thing that Paul tell, tells about tongues. He differentiates between messages given in tongues and the private prayer language of the believer. So when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you're given that prayer language. You speak in tongues. You've been given a prayer language by the Holy Spirit to enhance your prayer life. And Paul says this in verse number 2. Are you there? 1 Corinthians chapter 14. He says this in verse 2. For he that speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not unto men, but unto God. As I said a while ago, when I'm, when I'm praying in tongues, when I'm worshiping God, God in tongues? Do I know what I'm saying? Do you know what I'm saying? Do you know what you're saying when you're worshiping in tongues? No, you don't. You don't know. And that's what Paul says. For, for when we speak in an unknown tongue, you're not speaking to men. Because let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen, when I'm standing over here with my hands up and that worship team's leading in some good worship and I'm, I'm worshiping God in another tongue, ain't nobody can understand me. But I'm telling you there's one that does understand what I'm saying. It may be an unknown tongue to you. It may be an unknown tongue to me. It may be an unknown tongue to everybody around me. But when I'm worshiping, there's one that hears me and his name is Jesus. God understands and knows what I'm saying. I'm not talking to you. Somebody said, I don't understand that. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the Heavenly Father. I'm in a direct communication with God. I've got a direct line to heaven and it's speaking in other tongues. Somebody ought to say, man, I'm telling you what, if that's not a good enough reason to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, I don't know what is. It enhances my prayer life and my worship to the Lord. Hallelujah. He said, no man understands it's an unknown tongue given by the Holy Spirit. It's a prayer language that no one knows except the Father. He said, no, no man understands him. He's speaking to God. And no man understands him, howbeit in the Spirit. Notice that. In the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. Whew. Whew. Hallelujah. One translation says, in the Spirit, He's speaking divine secrets. Ooh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. You are in direct communication. The Holy Spirit is giving you utterance. And you're talking to the Heavenly Father and speaking secrets to Him. And the, the innermost thoughts and desires of your heart, the Holy Spirit is taking and speaking that to the Father in that heavenly unknown prayer language. Come on, amen. You may not know what to, what to pray. You may not know how how to pray. You may not know what to say at times, uh, but I'm telling you the Holy Spirit will always pray the perfect prayer to the Father. He always prays in line with the will of God. He'll never pray a prayer that's out, out of line with the will of God. Amen. It will. He will enhance your worship, your prayer time, your worship time as you communicate with the Father in that heavenly language. And he said he that speaks in an unknown tongue. Verse 4 said edifies himself. You're building up your spirit man. That word edifies means to build up as you would an edifice. It means to enhance spiritual growth. It means to charge you up. In today's vernacular it would be like charging your battery on your cell phone. Come on. When that little bar on your phone gets in the red and you can't talk to nobody and you can't communicate because your battery 
battery's about dead. My Lord, you put it on that charger and that little uh, lightning bolt comes on there and in a little while you go from red to green. Uh, let me tell you, that's what praying in the Holy Ghost does. You may be dry. You may be lifeless. You may be dead. You may be uh, in a place where you're weak in the things of God, but if you'll get filled with the Holy Ghost and communicate with your Father, it's like putting your spiritual life on a Holy Ghost battery charger. Come on. It will edify and build you up, give you strength, give you power like you've never had before. There is a difference, ladies and gentlemen, in dead prayers and Holy Ghost prayers. Hallelujah. So, why would anybody not want to be edified spiritually? That's the beauty of the prayer language. Being filled with Holy Ghost. And, and let me say this and we'll close. Let me say this. Satan and demons can't get in on the conversation. Ooh, hallelujah. It drives the devil crazy. You're praying. That's why he fights tongues so much. Because he's saying, well, what's he saying? What's he praying about? What's he talking about? Well, I mean, you know, people say, well, the, the devil knows all languages. Well, you're not, you're not, you're not talking in. And I know some differ with this point. But you're not speaking in a language known necessarily on this earth. It's an unknown tongue. It's a, it's the language of the Holy Spirit. It's coded it's coded language that only the Father understands. No man understands. No demon understands. It is mysteries, Paul said. It is divine secrets, Paul says. The only one that can get in on it is God. The Holy Ghost knows what to say. The Holy Ghost knows what to pray. Hallelujah. And the devil hasn't got a clue of what you're praying about. So he can't interfere in that prayer. He can't put down in your mind about that prayer. Hallelujah, you're praying the perfect will of God and the devil can't stop it from going through every prayer the Holy Ghost prays. Goes through. It's prayed through. That's the major use of tongues is in our worship and in our prayer time. Worship team, you can make your way back. Let me close with this. I, and I read this. I heard this not too long ago. So I, I, I researched. I forgot to have a fact checker. So I fact checked it. I just ran Google search. But I found out that during World War II, during World War II, they were having problems um, sending coded messages that the enemy, the enemy could not decode them. I mean, they would have codes that they would send coded messages on tactics and things that they were planning to do and where armies were going to go, this, that, and the other to send, to send uh, orders and commands through, through coded messages so it couldn't be intercepted by the enemy. But it seemed like that the enemy, the Japanese, whoever, would figure it out and they would break the code and they would figure it out. So they were trying to come up with a code that the enemy could not break, that, that they couldn't decipher. You know what they did? They got the Navajo Indians. Hallelujah. Because that Navajo language, they, they had Navajo, they had Navajo, uh, Native American Navajos that, that were fluent in English, but also fluent in the Navajo language. And nobody could decode because nobody knew. 
what those Navajos were saying when they were talking in their language. And they used that Navajo language and used that to code and coded messages with the Navajo language that never never was the enemy able to intercept that message or figure it out. And there were great battles won, ladies and gentlemen, in the in the in, in the in the Pacific, on the in you know, in those areas. Great battles that were won because messages, are you listening to me? Messages got through and were not intercepted and were not decoded because the enemy couldn't figure out what was being said. Let me tell you, we've got something. Hallelujah. That is better than the Navajo language. We've got the prayer language of the Holy Ghost and the devil can't figure it out. He cannot intercept it. There is a difference, folks. There is a difference on those who have the Holy Ghost and pray in an unknown tongue when you don't know what to pray for as you ought. Thank God the Spirit gives us utterance and we pray the perfect will of God every single time. Amen. Lift your hands today and give Him praise. Give Him praise. Give Him praise for the mighty Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Let's stand to our feet this morning. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. There is difference. There is a difference in Holy Ghost praying. There is a difference in Holy Ghost praying. Oh, there is a difference in Holy Ghost praying. I want you to lift up your hands and worship Him today. If you're filled with the Holy Ghost, oh, I know that that prayer language is bubbling up on the inside of you right now. Just go ahead and yield to the Holy Ghost and worship Him in that heavenly tongue. Come on, church. Come on and give Him praise and worship Him. Worship Him. Worship Him. If you're here this morning and it's been a while since you've spoken tongues, it's been a while since you felt the Holy Ghost bubble up on the inside of you and you've experienced that prayer language. Right now, just lift those hands toward heaven and say it. Lord, refill me. Lord, refill me. Lord, give me a fresh anointing of the Holy Ghost today. Let that prayer language be fluent again in my life today, Lord. Oh, and begin to worship Him. Yield to the Holy Ghost and begin to worship Him in heavenly. Lend that heavenly language today. If you've never been baptized, if you're like these Ephesian believers and you've never received the Holy Ghost since you believed, lift your hands up today right now and say, oh Lord, I believe. I need the Holy Ghost. I need the power of the Holy Ghost. I can't live for you, Lord, as I need to without the Holy Ghost. Feel me. Feel me. Feel me with the Holy Ghost. He'll do it. He'll do it. He'll do it right now. Come on, let's praise Him today.